Hey everyone, welcome back to What You Talking, and this is season four. Sorry for the way we've been busy with life stuff like changing diapers and trying to scrape together some free time. Um, so this first episode was originally recorded back in May 2021, back before we knew all the nitty gritty that uh, Simu and Jean shared of all the behind the scenes details. Uh, but it does cover a lot of ground of the end of the show. So, without further ado, lots of fun interviews ahead, and we hope you enjoy the season. Stop! Okay, keep going! Now I'm on a podcast, so what's a podcast? Hello, and welcome back to What You Talking, a Kim's Convenience podcast. And as always, I'm your co-host, Ruby. And I'm Mike. That was well done. <laughs> <laughs> I was screwing up, so we might as well went uh, with the better one on yeah, this. We'll see. <laughs> so our guest for today, uh, she has worked behind the scenes on various shows and film events through the years. She's a friend of ours who we've been lucky to have on the show since season one. And most importantly, she's known as the Queen of CBC. Let's welcome back Mel. Hello. Hey. <laughs> How are things, technology. Mel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pandemic recording i mean we wish we could be recording with you that that was uh that's always what we've done yeah and then we go for ice cream after yeah, I know, this, is, ice cream. this is pandemic number two we did one <laughs> last year we couldn't go then either uh uh and on top of all that uh i guess we have a lot to talk about this episode but let, let's talk a little bit about the elephant in the room mel uh mm-hmm. how do you feel about the show ending because that's I guess it's going to be a thing that we bring up a lot. And did. It's in the past now. <laughs> I'm still in denial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do, how do you feel about how the show ended? Uh, I guess because I know about what goes on with stuff. You know, things happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should have happened the way it did. Obviously, mm-hmm. and I'll echo Paul and Jean's sentiments on that. Um, I'm not quite as uh, we're referring to Simu now as the new um, bitter Asian dude. <laughs> <laughs> the young bitter Asian dude. <laughs> he in uh, in his youth, uh, and he's new in the business. Um, you know, he's been busy, but he's still very new and. You know, he's had a lot of things to say about it, and I don't blame him for being angry. But uh, Paul, after you know, 30 years roughly right. of being in the business, he took it. He's you know, he's visibly upset about it. You know, we've right. seen him in interviews that he did mm-hmm. with the National with Andrew Chang, and you know, he tries to put on a brave face. And but as he said, right now. And a month ago, and two months ago, when we first heard about it, you know, it's very raw still. Right. Um, it's going to take time for everybody to get used to things. That being said, he's moved on. He posted mm-hmm. a picture today of him being somewhere on set. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in Scarborough. I oh, know no. One show that shoots in Scarborough, there's probably many more. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to say what it is. I 
Oh, it could be but, anything. But we come to you for the spoilers, Mel. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sure there's more than just Murdoch mysteries that shoots in Scarborough. Oh, I I, I know some people who are Murdoch fans first and Kimbit second who would right. be very happy to hear that mm. but uh, that's a whole, uh, whole yeah, other podcast, that's a whole other yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, like I said I don't think it's I don't think it's them uh, it could be anything it, they could have been on location somewhere I'm, I'm not gonna um, presuppose where he is what he's doing mm-hmm. um, so in light of a show like Shit's Creek that Dan Levy plotted around season three to end mm-hmm. right. know, in three more years. You know, he wrote specifically with an end in mind. The fans, right. once he announced at the end of season five that season six was going to be that, you know, that was going to be it. Mm-hmm. He referred to making that decision back in three, knowing wow. that that's what they wanted to do. So mm-hmm. he wrote towards that. He worked towards it. And so when season five ended and he made the announcement just before the CSAs saying, mm-hmm. okay, this is going to be our last year. Right. Everybody could get ready and yeah. put it, put it to bed in a natural right. way. And yeah. there was still a lot of things open for something else down the road too, mm-hmm. because he stays back with Patrick and Stevie and, you know, Moira and Johnny go off to LA and Alexis goes to New York. So Spoiler alert for those that hasn't watched it. There's lots of room. <laughs> lots of room. I hope yeah. everybody's seen it by now. <laughs> um, if you if you're fans, if you're fans, if you're not, I, I get it. It's not everybody's uh, cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely a, a lot of SCTV people who enjoyed it and some that didn't. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there, he left it very open. So there mm-hmm. is room for a movie someday. And I'm sure mm-hmm. Kim's will... We'll go back to when everything else dies down, however long that takes, and we'll get more into the meat of it later. Yeah. Um, how and when, and maybe not that it can happen. Mm-hmm. We'll right. have to see. We'll right. Uh, I think, yeah, on the news of the cancellation, I, it was just all over Twitter. A, a lot of confusion, a lot of anger, a lot of sadness, a lot of grief. Uh, fans were just all over the place. All over the place. Very emotional. <laughs> yes. I, I was pretty much in shock for like a whole week. I mean, we had dedicated so much time to the fandom and getting to know people and getting to know the cast and mm-hmm. everything. And uh, yeah, it was a shock to us. But we're we are so lucky to have Mel here. Mel is probably <laughs> one of the most well versed. <laughs> Well, she she's probably the most objective of all the fans that I know. She loves the show, but right. she will be able to answer some of these common questions that came across when the show ended. Like there were so many questions that kept coming up over and over again mm-hmm. that I, I I had dug into the answers myself. But I figured, you know what? If I'm gonna have anybody answer these better than <laughs> I can, it's going to be Mel. So. Uh, why don't we just dive into some of sure. these? So one of the first questions that kept coming up was, why did CBC cancel the show? Weren't yeah. they confirmed for six seasons? That's just like Angry That's, Mob, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a hard no. <laughs> CBC did not, did not, I emphasize, capital, underline, 
cannot cancel the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I had to say this on one platform, I said it a million times still. And my husband said the same thing. And I just had to stop because, you know, I'm yeah. just going to try it. You can't yeah. explain TV production to people who don't understand what's going on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They, they had greenlit two seasons at a time from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So as much as the first season was in the can and they wrote it that, you know, when he up, when up, turns out the lights in the store and they go upstairs after the singing contest and everything's done. If that had been it, fine. It yeah. ended. It started, you know, 13 episodes, one to 13 done. Great. Fine. But what we didn't know was at that <laughs> yeah. time, season two was already greenlit. Right. Yeah. So they did it in groups of two. So mm-hmm. then the announcement came three and four. Great. Then five and six. Okay. What ultimately happened, as we know, with that announcement that came out on the 8th of March. um, Do you want me to read it? Because I have it written out. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Let's go for it. So this this was the statement by the producers. And it is a co production. We'll get into that later. Okay. But. This is, it just said the producers. It didn't say Thunderbird. It didn't say Soul Pepper. It said just the producers. So on March 8th, um, a white background with lots of type said the following. Authenticity of storytelling is at the center of the success of Kim's convenience. At the end of production of season five, our two co-creators confirmed that they were moving on to other projects. Given their departure from the series, we have come to the difficult conclusion that we cannot deliver another season of the same part and quality that has made the show so successful. There's really more after that. That's all I get to say to well, that. Then. That's all there is. So, yeah. um, in the article that followed later a week or two after um, by the Globe and Mail, hmm. um, Various people were interviewed, some people were not. But one of the people that did come up and mention a few things was Natalie Younglai, who has a group called BIPOC Film and TV. Right. And she basically said, and she also just won the Humanitarian Award in the CSAs last week. Um, her stance is trying to get more people of color behind the scenes mm-hmm. and in front of the camera. Right. Mm-hmm. And she had a lot to say. I didn't go into uh, reading the article again because I didn't think I could find it. I don't know who, who posted originally, but Globe and Mail is a paywall block. So (laughs) if you don't have a subscription, it's hard to find stuff like that again. And I went through tons and tons of tweets from a lot of different people to get different things that I'd written down here. I was going wall-eyed. So she had a lot to say about the fact that Kim's, um, And Paul said this too. They were the first and they made some mistakes as far as getting people of color involved. Mm -hmm. And when Ince was having, I guess, some issues, even we don't know how far back this started, Mm -hmm. but Jean had mentioned in one of her tweets that um, they had, uh, he had, he reached out to other Asian writers, did workshops, with one, uh, one-on-one with writers to try, mm-hmm. try and bring in other Asian voices on board. Mm-hmm. And he was the only one. 
So what that tells me and what Paul has said too is that there wasn't anybody else who could be invited to work so closely on a show like this who had the skills and the experience mm-hmm. to take the reins. Right. And, and that follows in with the whole thing of why Kim's, why it took so long for a show like Kim's to exist. Because mm-hmm. someone of Paul's experience, Gene's experience, has taken them this long in their careers to get to the point where they can be one and two on the call sheet. Right. And if it's taken them that long, then you can see how people who are of, who follow in you know, fall into the BIPOC community where they don't feel they have a place. And if they're not being put into programs or being accepted into programs that are going to allow them to get that skill, mm-hmm. then how are they going to be able to jump in and take over a show? And right. as Jean said, when you're the only Korean voice in the room <laughs> and you leave, there's no show. Yeah. yeah, that makes And sense. there's no one else to take, take command. And Ince was involved right, you know, even as the show, as he'd walked away, he was still involved in the final editing process because that's what showrunner does. They're there mm-hmm. for every single aspect of the show. So Andrew had mentioned in one of his tweets or one of his interviews that Ince was still in the editing suite following up on the last little bits on the last couple of episodes before mm-hmm. they went in the can. So I can see why things fell apart um, if there's no one else to, to take over. And if it's got to the point where he's tired, you know, it's, it's a lot of responsibility right. to run a show. You're not just writing it. You're doing everything. You're thinking about costumes. You're thinking about staging your you know it's all encompassing it is your life mm-hmm. for the you know not just the five years that the show ran we're going all the way back to 2005 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where this show has been part of this story has been part of his life yeah right from starting it with fujin uh, or fujin um with nina lee aquino and starting that back in 2005 and starting to build the story up to the point where he put it in the fringe. But even yeah. before the fringe, he was trying to get it into theaters. Mm-hmm. And everybody turned their backs and said, no, we don't, we're not interested. That kind mm-hmm. of a show, that cast, that story isn't going to bring people in the door. Right. Mm. And his only recourse was to try and get into the fringe, which he was able to do at the last minute. Yeah. Got mm-hmm. it in, and then it exploded. And then... BADs from various production or uh, um, theater companies, then they came running back to him and said, "Oh, yeah, we'll put it on now." Yeah, you know, great, it did so well. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, come on in, and that's where <laughs> that's where this little book of Kim's convenience with the play, with Paul on the front, has a lot of interesting information as to mm-hmm. how to chart what happened through the last year or however long this has been going on, because I'm sure you know, maybe the cast had an inkling of what might've been going on behind closed doors. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure with the attitude that Paul brings to the set, everything was quite up and positive for right. the longest yeah. time. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until maybe 
you know, that last year going in shooting during the pandemic where everybody's all on edge anyway because they know that one positive case and could shut done, them down yeah. and that would be the end. And they, you know, we wouldn't have season five yet. Right. Yeah. We'd be still waiting. <laughs> it may never have happened either. Who knows? Mm. I think Mel basically just wrapped the episode. She unlocked all the secrets. So, yeah, we're done. We're done with season five. Thank you, everybody, for listening. (laughs) Sorry. I went on and on. I'm looking at my notes. It's like, yeah, I touched on that. I touched on that. It's all good. It's all good. Because, uh, I mean, I I still have to ask all these questions because, you know, I mean, these are what people have been asking. Because, again, as you say, the the typical person doesn't really understand the, the production and everything that goes on behind the scenes they just see other shows suddenly being canceled or stopping and suddenly and this leads to my next question why does a netflix or another network pick it up um it comes down to rights Mm -hmm. um who has broadcast rights who has um the overall rights of the production um something that i discovered in the play in some of the notes um the two key players, basically, in this is um, Thunderbird and Soul Pepper. Mm-hmm. And Soul Pepper, uh, I'm not going to mention the previous AD's name because I choose not to. Yeah. He doesn't deserve any time of mine. Um, <laughs> but basically, uh, Ince was part of the Academy. Uh, mm-hmm. The Soul Pepper Academy, from which um, right. Nicole Power is a graduate, and Akosia too. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so. Um, mm-hmm. So, if you look through the notes that are in this in this version of the play, because I don't think the original version before it went to TV has any of this in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Daniel Wong has a copy of that. He can correct me if I'm wrong. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so. Ince had talked to that AD about his background and his family and everything else and what he had what he had gone through and, and everything. So at the beginning of having the play ready, um, he approached this person and basically was told no. Mm-hmm. And he approached some others, but he was told no. So then after it does so well at the fringe, um and he goes back to, or he's approached by that person, and the, the AD says, yeah, we'd love to have it there. It's a good fit, um, or it wasn't before. Uh, I'm reading in this one section at the back where Yvonne Fitzan, who was the executive chair of Thunderbird at the time, and he had previously been the head of CBC. Uh, so he had gone off and done his own thing. He joined up with, uh, with Thunderbird started it mm-hmm. um, so he had gone to see the play so he's familiar with it and so two years later after he'd gone to see the play when it ran the first time before it became a TV show he had gone to he had contacted the AD to see what had been done with the, t- with the rights to Kim's and so they were still available so therefore Thunderbird owns the broadcast rights to getting it to TV Okay. Soul Pepper has ownership of the play and the name, I would assume, but Thunderbird has the rights to broadcast. They're 
as a producer, their job is to find a platform to put it on. Mm-hmm. So they felt because of Fitzan's connection to the CBC already in place, they would have likely approached them first. He says it as saying, well, they're a good fit right home. So we're delighted when they came on board. He had inside track because a lot of the same people he probably worked with were still there where you can just phone them up and say, hey, Sally Cato, I've got a show for you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we've got. They shoot the pilot. There it is. Gay discount. Say, so, yeah, this is what we want. So this is why Netflix just can't, you know, Netflix is, I guess, because of the platform that they have, they have the rights on rebroadcast. Right. Mm-hmm. The difference with that versus and everybody saying, well, why can't they win an Emmy? Why, you know, that's shown in the United States and, you know, they, the Americans can see it. Netflix is not a network. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that they are now pouring money and they're coming here, <laughs> pouring money into their own projects. Right. Yeah. If it if Kim's had been a Netflix show, then they would they could have easily probably tried to get someone else to keep it going. Right. Mm-hmm. But because of the Canadian laws being what it is, an entertainment law, um, they they can't just pick it up. And in the case of Shit's Creek, when they started rebroadcasting uh, on that platform as well. They had it on Netflix, I think, for a first for a little while. Mm-hmm. Then Pop TV came up. Mm-hmm. And Pop TV is a network, per se, in the, in the American system. So that's why Schitt's Creek can be nominated for Emmys and Kim's can. I see. Yeah, it's... Uh, okay. Um, so Very good explanation. <laughs> yeah. That was really in-depth. I wasn't expecting all that. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a question, Mel. You keep mentioning AD. Can you expand on what that means or what it stands for? An artistic director. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what does that person, like, what are they responsible for? An AD, an artistic director in the theater, is basically responsible for getting the butts in seats. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that, um, they search out new plays um, they will, um, they'll connect with playwrights mm-hmm. and with someone like Ince where, you know, he was, they knew he was writing something. They could have easily produced it right away. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can take a chance on someone like that when they're starting out and not necessarily have to prove themselves first before, you're willing to take a chance and put them on, on stage. Mm-hmm. Kim's could have, I think Kim's could have sold out every night of Soul Pepper um, if they had gone in 2011 oh, instead right. of waiting till 2013, mm. 2012, yeah, 2012 into 2013. Um, I think the, the availability of getting into the fringe from a cost perspective um for the for the audience definitely made it more attractive i mean you've got people coming in from all over shutting their store and coming down to toronto to the bathurst street theater and saying you know this is about us yeah Yeah. um i think those people probably want to come anyway 
Mm-hmm. I think the fringe just made it a little more accessible little, yeah. because the yeah. prices are cheaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody can afford a sixty to eighty dollar ticket, right? Uh, or a twenty five dollar ticket and sit in the front row like we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not for cams, for that other thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think Soul Pepper did a disservice of not picking it up when it was offered the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and other theater companies might have been kicking themselves later, too, that they didn't. For sure. Yeah. It's made it into a TV show, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess... Maybe. Yeah. Hindsight is uh, twenty twenty, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Kim's came out at a time when, um, you know, re- hashtag representation matters was picking up or <laughs> yeah. it became what was it, two years ago, three years ago, a thing. If Kim's had come out maybe even two years earlier, we would have been like probably in its final season during that time. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows, to be honest. Maybe it wouldn't have even made that many seasons at that time. But uh, I guess it's one of those things that I'm trying to learn to do, try to be grateful for what Kim's has been in this time. But... At the same time, I, just like Mel, I've been digging for answers. So. <laughs> yeah, and and as Paul said in the interview with Andrew, that um, Andrew Chang, um, he's not going to dwell on it. Uh, he can't because he doesn't. Even he admits he doesn't know everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He knows. He knows what things. he knows. Yeah. He knows probably more than most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if Ince Choi is not responding to his calls, then there's obviously a lot going on that he has no idea about of course now talking about our showrunners uh another common thing that people often bring up because other shows you know they have other showrunners leaving Mm -hmm. all the time and then like the walking dead it's changed showrunners (laughs) like two or three times very popular show Mm -hmm. and uh somebody else steps up and can continues on the show so i mean why i guess this would be a question for the producers and stuff like why can't you find other showrunners but i guess mel kind of touched on this already i think it's because of the the korean cultural Mm -hmm. angle i mean Mm -hmm. the whole thing is portraying a, a family of immigrants and you know this is their story and only someone who is Korean mm-hmm. in the writing room is the showrunner can tell that story. As soon as that person leaves, the optics are not very good. And I guess it kind of goes back to your point about, um, you know, I mean, I've heard the same stories where Inns had been on the ground floor trying to find other creatives, especially Asian creatives. He'd be going to um, uh, uh, comedy bars he'd be going to writing jams he'd be going to everything trying to recruit asian people but mm-hmm. you know if you look at the credits for kim's convenience uh for the writers and the directors that were on there you don't actually see a lot of asians there no and it's- i mean like we know that he's done a lot because of the fact that if you if you look at the original casting call that was put out for season one it was done on facebook to the korean communities right because they were trying to get like authentic people they weren't trying to get necessarily big names or anything like that they wanted authenticity to be brought onto the show that, that's then, true i remember cousins sending me that yeah. it's like hey check it out like casting call for a show it's like 
what okay. are you talking about yeah so whatever and even afterwards i can't remember which season they were they were doing this i think it was season three and four that they were trying to recruit writers into the room and there there was a right. casting call i can't remember how i saw that call for for right. the writers and i had sent it to one of uh somebody that i knew that is a writer on many shows um i was like hey since you're coming out of mat leave why don't you give it a try she came back to me saying i guess because she has inside knowledge um she believes that they are looking for authenticity to be brought into the room and they are looking for asian or even korean writers whereas she's not so she's like i'm not even gonna try because she's like i do want the show to have the authenticity that it deserves so there's no point in me sitting in that room and again i bring up the point of go on wiki wiki (laughs) kim's convenience look at the list of all the writers and the directors and i think that will kind of tell a story just sort of like what mel was saying yeah and it is hard for people to to get in the door Mm -hmm. um if they don't know what channels to go through uh even just to get there and i mean i refer to one of paul's stories when he was starting out you know i think it was a tv show um and he doesn't say which one, but he was running around the set in the you know in the back lot trying to find the ADs trailer, <laughs> and because he was Asian, they right. kept pushing him off and saying they kept thinking he was background, and he got the runaround and he said he finally got fed up and he said okay would it help if I told you I have lines? <laughs> oh okay, uh, you need to go here here and. One of the guys that, you know, one one guy had, you know, pushed him away and, you know, saying, I don't have time for this. And it was his trailer he ended up back at, knocking wow. on the door saying, where's Wardrobe? And the guy was really embarrassed, totally embarrassed. Um, Gene tells a similar story, being near the craft table and being asked to go and get someone a cup of tea and being told by one of the other ADs that, in this case, it's assistant director, yeah. not artistic director. Mm. Um, that uh, you know, she's the talent. She yeah. doesn't. You, you yeah. get her a cup of tea, yeah. right? You know, and and that was actually reflected in that one episode the last help. year yeah. when she's standing at at Janet's show, and she's wearing exactly the same thing just by chance. chance. Yeah, you know, the black pants and the white blouse, even though she had her purse on her arm. That's not what that woman saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She saw an Asian woman looking like a server. Yeah. And so this, and that is exactly what people of color on film sets have been going through up until Kim's, basically. Until mm-hmm. you get more shows like that, mm-hmm. that can break those barriers and allow for that kind of thing to be normal. And that's what the objective should be coming out of this, you know, as Paul saying, you know, mistakes were made and people need to learn from that. This, this stuff goes behind the scenes too. And, uh, Simu's, uh, made video that mm. they've been doing right. this promo for, for getting people of color on, on set. He insisted he had a writer and he, I think he explained this in the longer version saying that everyone that worked on his video that made slash new thing are people of color nice he wouldn't sit down and do that video unless he knew that everybody behind the camera was a mix of something 
I know this is a serious moment, but I wonder if in in his rider as well, it's like I may need to take off my shirt at some point. But they needed <laughs> needed to negotiate that. So he had a very nice sweater in that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it was a it's very like, thick sweater. It's like okay, I can live with this sweater this one time. But we're gonna take another take with no shirt, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's not just the like the television industry; it's like the movie industry, and even for modeling and acting, because I've been through that myself, and it's it's not heartbreaking, but it it there are some harsh comments that you get, and being even to castings, I remember when like side this is a side story, but I remember being casted um, by my agency, sending me off to. Uh, commercial for alcohol i'm not gonna say which brand and when i got to do my audition wait do i drink this brand no okay so good um so what happened was when i arrived i do my usual thing i speak to the receptionist and everything else and i'm trying to sign in and the first thing she does is look at me very strangely like why are you here and she's like can i see some id please i'm like sure and i show her my id and i think at the time i was 26 28 something like that so very legal to drink in in all areas of north america (laughs) and she was like she saw my id and she was like oh okay and she lets me she lets me fill out the form at this point (laughs) so i fill in everything um hand her my headshot and all and then i'm waiting and when i get called into the audition room with with you know all the people that audition you that you can't see their faces half the time i get asked for my id again and I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, what's the point of this? Because clearly you're not going to cast me. So why am I wasting my time and your time by spending yeah. the next like five to 10 minutes in this room? But they did proceed with the rest of it. And I did the recording and all. But yeah. So it's, it's just things that we deal with, I think. Mm-hmm. 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 So spinning back to this. Um, now, they mention in the, the, uh, the quote that Mel read that the co-creators, the showrunners, are moving on to other projects. Mm-hmm. What are these projects? Well, we know what Kevin White's project is. Yes. Because <laughs> that's going to be one of your little things. Who's working on what next? Um, Nicole Power has a spinoff, and it's called Strays. And they sort of alluded this, alluded to this in the last episode mm-hmm. of season five, that she was looking for a way out. Mm-hmm. Right. She was tired of being at handy. Um, so I don't want to give too much away because you've got American listeners who haven't even seen the show yet. <laughs> anyway, it's going to get out there. They're just going to have to keep their ear, fingers in their ears. Anyway, they wrapped in March. They were shooting in Hamilton. Right. And uh, so Kevin is the writer, head writer, producer for that. Um, So Shannon leaves Handy, starts up a new life, moves out of Toronto. So that's where Kevin is. And no, it's just, I, I, like Tony, uh, Tony Napo, Nicole. Yeah. Um, I didn't write down all the names I'd seen affiliated I with it. I think uh, Kevin Tina, Vida- Jung. Tina Jung, Kevin Vidal. Tina, right, yes. Um, shoot. Tina will not likely be playing Genie. No. I cannot confirm that, but 
It, but it's interesting on the people who will reappear and good chance that they will play different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that's how it is. They live in Hamilton and yeah. they were... Why would in- they all move to Hamilton, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a spinoff. It was meant to go head to head with Kim's if there was... If they had come back for that sixth season, mm-hmm. um, they were supposed to... Uh, one was supposed to go into the next. So, yeah. And I'm curious um, how many of the writers from Kim's will kind of transfer over to Strays. How many of them were already planned to? Like, if you look at Kim's over the years, um, like some of the writers had become executive producers on the show. So I'm curious how many of those exec producers had moved on with Kevin to Strays. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that'll tell a story in itself as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so big question is, where in the world is Inns Choi? Because he he just <laughs> fell off the face of the planet. It sounds like a Where's Waldo game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, knowing what we know about Inns, he's extremely private. Yes. Uh, he's not on social media. Nope. Um, There's a hashtag for him, though. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. What, well, no, it just Inns Choi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he used to have Twitter and Facebook and all that. He did have Twitter at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, and okay, he, that I didn't know. He was smart to delete it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, especially doing the job he was doing, it becomes a distraction. So it doesn't surprise me that he got off. Um, but I think it's going to be a while before we hear anything from him directly. Mm. Uh, I think he needs to get in with his family and mm-hmm. whatever whatever things were going on maybe there um, we don't know obviously mm-hmm. Paul doesn't know so if Paul doesn't know nobody knows <laughs> um, but I'm just gonna look into one of my notes here um, about Schitt's Creek again um, Dan Levy had put out this video and actually one a CSA. It was a behind-the-scenes thing. The uh, best wishes, warmest regards, which was the shooting of the last episode mm-hmm. of the season of the series, um, and it puts you in his place of what a showrunner does and how all-encompassing it can be. Right. Mm-hmm. And basically, from the time he conceived the the show, and his dad was basically just a shoulder. But Dan ran that thing top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Eugene basically just, you know, if if Dan asked, he would give his advice. But he did not guide him. He didn't move him saying, you know, you'd be better doing this way. Unless Dan asked, Eugene stepped completely back. Mm-hmm. Um, he really, it was a name credit more than anything. He was there more as an actor. Mm-hmm. So Dan ran the show in every aspect costume um hair makeup character development he wrote a lot of episodes he co-directed one in the last season and then directed one by himself in the last season as well um he would maybe go for a a short holiday in japan because that's one of his favorite places to go in the world oh cool um he would go there maybe for a week or two just to get away a little bit, and then as soon as he came back, he'd be plotting the next year. Wow. The next season. Mm-hmm. And 
when you're not planning, you're not working on one, you're working towards the next one. That's and a tough life, yeah. Every single day of your life. And they were doing things on the cheap. You know, <laughs> he would be going to uh, places like Value Village and consignment stores, mm-hmm. and they would take a lot of the wardrobe that Moira had, a lot of the sweaters he had, mm-hmm. and they were refashioned into making something completely outrageous, especially for her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they were searching things and they were, they didn't have any money. You know, his mother was the one that went out and helped get financing. Wow. The show. Um, so by having the production company called Not a Real Company, <laughs> basically <laughs> it was it was the Levy family that ran yeah. that show. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so a showrunner and for someone to have a split between two people like Kevin and Ince did, um, it does take the pressure off, but they had to decide who was going to do what. Mm-hmm. Right. Kevin was brought in basically to be Ince's TV hand because Ince was a theater person. He knew nothing about television. Right. Mm-hmm. Kevin had successful stuff on his resume. He had done uh, Corner Gas. He had done some episodes of Shit's Creek. So what the show needed was someone like Kevin White. Mm-hmm. And in the back of the book, um, again, I'm going to go over here. Um, they started working together two years before. So in 2014, he had seen the play, and he really liked it. And he met Ince, and they got along. Um, and they had to thrash out exactly how they were going to approach the show. Mm-hmm. And they met, you know, a lot over those two years and uh, he said there were well this may sound relatively straightforward it was not it took two years and tons of discussions and there were plenty of creative missteps along the way Um, early on for example Mr. Chin was up as nemesis we found it better and funnier to have them as friends (laughs) and this has also come out on that one video that's been floating around saying that Gerald was originally conceived as a heavily pierced goth. Oh, right. <laughs> which we, we can't see that now, but right. that, that was what they were thinking of. So over the time of, you know, and deciding, too, that should they jump off from where the play ends or should they do something different? So it was their decision together to back it up the 10 years huh. and say, you know, let's look at the characters, how they were when Janice first starting school and... And Jung and Appa's um, issues are still kind of fresh. Mm-hmm. They haven't come to that point in the relationship where they can start over again. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting all the uh, little things that you can find, especially digging into the newspaper articles like the Global Mill articles and the copy of the play, which Mel has, I think, the more recent one. Actually, I have both. I'm going to check the old say, one. you have both. Yeah, I actually had inside the old Original one when one, we yeah. saw him. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go back and read that stuff as well. Huh. Yeah, I just, it popped, as I was making my notes um, over the last few months, and especially after, you know, the 8th, um, that, uh, like, let me grab, let me look at the play, because I remember the, the various writings in there, and I'm, I've read them. And then I thought, well, let me check and see what I can mine from this and see what's in there. And Mm -hmm. everything, there's so much of 
what happened mm. in yes. those little nuts here and there. They're just they they sound like throwaways at first, but when you go back and you now knowing how things ended up, mm-hmm. you can see little you know almost breadcrumbs saying, yeah. I mean, "This is this is what we did back then, and this is why we're here now." And to go back to you know your first question about how did I feel. Um, people were asking, I had so many people text me uh, uh, through Facebook and through Twitter saying, oh, did you hear, did you hear? I was like, yes. yeah, <laughs> I definitely heard. Um, and my coworker said it to me as well. And I said, basically what it sounded like to me was it was a professional divorce between Ince and Kevin. Yeah. They got to the point where they didn't even want to be in the same room together anymore, mm-hmm. most likely. Mm-hmm. And that's where you know they decided they were you know, they'd had enough. I think in Ince having lived with this story for so long, he wanted to do something else. But it makes me wonder, and I think I'm going to discuss this more on a future episode. Um, when something like this happens, when something like this has been your baby for so long, and especially the way that it's being pitched in articles like the Globe and Mail and stuff, where they're, everyone's asking, where is Inns Choi? Where can somebody like Inns Choi go from here? If everybody's saying, hey, he kind of just left. But anyway, that's something we can discuss for later. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to answer that yeah. right now. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear other people's perspective. Um, and yeah, I I think so too. What what do you do? I don't think he'll ever go. If he does go back into TV, it'll be a long time. But I don't think so. Yeah. I think he would. He's a theater person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he likes the uh, intimacy of something small like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nina Liakino just announced her stepping down as artistic director of Factory Theater today. Oh. Um, she's been in the job. It's going to be at the end of the 21-22 season. Mm-hmm. Um, she started as co-director in 2012 and then became the single um, solo AD uh, as of 2014. Mm-hmm. But the funny connection there is that she is married to Richard Lee. Oh. We know who Richard Lee is. Yeah. Yeah. The originator of the Kimbit name. And played Jung. I didn't know that. And Jung in the most recent uh, staging of the show. We met him. Yeah, we did. In the first first meeting. (laughs) up. No. (laughs) I didn't know that they were married. That's interesting. Yeah, and their their daughter, Eponine, is a great... She was in that movie with Tina Jung. That's her daughter. Oh yep. wow! Uh, yeah, the, she's brilliant. The Tina movie. The yeah, yeah. She was the. Oh wow. Yeah, she was really good. Yes, I've, I saw her. Um, she and Richard did a Shakespeare play last year, or two years ago now, coming up um, at uh, Withrow Park, which is Shakespeare in the Rough, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they do. Um, it was Winter's Tale that they did. And she was. She played a little boy, but she's still. She's she's very small for her age. Mm-hmm. She's. I think she's twelve, maybe twelve now. She mm-hmm. she would have been ten then, and she was mm. playing maybe a six year old. Oh. She was wearing short pants and a and a blazer. Aww. and carried a teddy bear. She was so cute, but she's brilliant. She she's is really... John Ang, 
John Ng knows them quite well too, and he had posted pictures of her on his uh, Instagram a few years ago. But with um, Nina, um, she and Richard and two other people co-founded uh, the Fujian Asian Canadian Theatre Company back in 2002. And in 2005, mm. Ince was invited to join their third playwriting unit, and that was when he started developing Kim's. Uh-huh. Right, right. And he gives credit to Fujian in the in the Kim's play mm-hmm. in the forward. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of history with Kim's, but mm-hmm. um, let's focus on right now. So. Um, let's, let's talk about, so what typically happens with like a crew after a show ends? Is it like, we've all seen Paul's, I guess, address to everybody right after the announcement and he, he was emotional, but I think he was the most emotional about the crew. Um, Mm -hmm. he made a comment about, you know, um, saying something along the lines of, you know, um, well, never you got g- to say a proper goodbye. Yeah, never. You're right. And also that, uh, you know, uh, you, you guys will find work. You're all really good. I mean, he, he almost, he choked up and he almost cried at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. He almost seemed that uh, he was, I guess, taking responsibility or feeling responsibility on his part as number one. I don't know. That's how I interpret it. So when a show ends like that for a crew, does it just mean that they're all out of work at that point? The city right now is on fire. (laughs) Everybody's working. It is jammed. Um, I work across the street from Revival Studios. Um, When I ride my bike to work, the back end of the lot is on towards Lakeshore. Um, It's filled with trucks. Everybody's working. Um, There's stuff that they've been shooting down at the exhibition. Uh, Strays was being shot in Hamilton in March. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do in the shadows was right. across the street from me as well, down at, in Leslieville. Um, I think basically Paul's feeling was that it's not that they're not going to get work. When you're most of the time, the key people and even the key departments, like John Dottertman, who was the production designer for the first series, he's the one that created the store the way it looked. Mm-hmm. And it did change a little bit mm-hmm. from what he'd started. Key decorator, all the key positions, those people tend to stay with the show, you know, once it comes back. The dailies will change. Right. But you'll get the core group of people that will work together mm-hmm. and they will be on that show for its entire run, however long that's going to be. Um, That group, uh, Paul would always make a point every day as they wrapped Mm -hmm. of saying, you know, thanking them by name. Mm -hmm. Um, And you saw what happened at the end of season one when they raided the store. (laughs) So, you know, everybody's, you know, if it's a good set, which I know Kim's was, it's a party. Yeah. Everybody's having a good time. They're there to work, but everyone gets along. There are no egos in the way. It's just, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, so that's a, a, another uh, podcast episode about <laughs> the egos behind the real story. Anyway, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is. It, it's, that can break a show. Yeah. That can definitely break a show. Um, but uh, I think 
what he was referring to is just the fact that as a group, they wouldn't be ever together again. Right. Because once everything, once something like that wraps, everybody goes off, they'll get work. I mean, mm-hmm. there's always, you know, they're unionized. You know, they get a call from from the assignment people in their respective unions. I think it's uh, NABET, or what was known as NABET. Um, and there's also IATSE. Um, if they're dailies, they'll get, you know, they get a call and they'll say, you know, you need to be on set at such and such a time, go to this place. They'll get work. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to work, they don't take the gig. Um, <laughs> okay. So it's... It's uh, Toronto's busy. It's it's a 365 day job now. It wasn't when I was doing it 20 plus years ago. It was six months in, six months out because we didn't have the studio space, um, and the weather <laughs> goes against us. Now they're shooting all year round. Mm. They're shooting in the winter. Mm-hmm. They use the snow to their advantage yep. and the cold and whatever. It doesn't matter. And because of the pandemic last year, I think it also showed that they can do it in the winter. Mm-hmm. Like Coroner normally shoots from August into September because mm. you'll see the, if you watch that show, you'll see that the seasons, the trees are changing, people are wearing coats mm-hmm. and things like that. It's not summer all the time. Mm-hmm. And this year, they didn't actually, I think, go to camera until late September, early October. Mm-hmm. Mm. And maybe not wrapped till November. I mean, so it's there is no such thing as, you know, only shooting in the summer anymore. So everybody's busy, and there's probably more work floating around them than anybody needs to, to worry about. Okay, and that being said, I know we talked about Nicole already. Um, where's everybody else going? How about all the cast, the cast that everybody loves? Mm-hmm. Okay, well... We talked about Paul. We don't know what's happening with Star Wars. Um, this uh, Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah, that's um, that's so. It's been shelved for a while. That's so disappointing. It looked promising. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. But Dave Filoni was just named executive creative director, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, I think, in one of his first things, he's announced that he's putting that on the back burner for now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Well, we know Paul's busy because he shot that. We put that picture up today on Instagram. Jean hasn't said anything. She's mm-hmm. busy with her new puppy. Um, yes. <laughs> so, I uh, yeah. As far as I know, here. she's she said she's back into writing. So, mm. I guess creative fun projects are creative projects overall for herself. And yeah, puppy, puppy's a lot of work. Yes, it's like a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was a cat person before, so getting a new dog, you know, <laughs> someone who's probably never had one, it's, it's a lot, yeah, it is like a baby. Mm-hmm. You clean up their poop, you feed them, and yep. you make sure that they're entertained at all costs. Yep, you take them out every two hours to make sure that they're pooping properly, because otherwise you're going to have messes everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jane had mentioned she was writing, um when we first started the pandemic and they didn't know when mm-hmm. Kim's was going to go back into production. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. That could keep her busy. Um, Andrew has his new show come, called run the burbs. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't, he was still in casting. Um, not that long ago. So yeah, I remember him. We'll see it. when he goes into production, but he's not scheduled till 
Yeah, he was... Fall of 22. Yeah, that's what he said, fall of 22. And it's interesting that he's also going to be the co-runner. Um, like, if you see Andrew uh, from the ends of Kim's to now, any interviews, you can see he's obviously looks a little more worn down. <laughs> so I think mm-hmm. I think the show's... Uh, he, he's been working hard on the show. Yeah. Yeah, he, this is going to be... I mean, he's, he's hosted and he's run things and... But this is going to be a whole new ball game for him. Oh yeah, and, and you know, looking at casting, self tapes and stuff like that. It's it's uh, he's going to have a whole new appreciation for <laughs> what went on I think behind the scenes with Kim's. Um, Andrea, um, I'm not familiar with the show, but I had heard she had done a guest appearance. Oh. On an American show not that long ago. I also heard that uh, she's working on a project with her sister Diana, and uh, mm-hmm. they're looking to find somebody to take up the project, whatever it is. Don't know what mm-hmm. it is right now. You saw Karaoke Mamas. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And that was done yeah. by both of them. And I, I, yeah. I love Andrea's projects because her humor kind of vibes with me, like her inanimate funnies, Karaoke Very Mamas. Hilarious. All that kind of stuff. I'm like, Andrew, you got to keep doing whatever you're doing. Like, your your, you know, your front work, like your acting's awesome, but your back work, your your writing and your directing and all that, that's really good. So you got to keep at that. And um, yeah, I hope that whatever she's doing with Diana gets released. Mm-hmm. That'll be uh, yeah. I enjoyed that. It was I, I wish it'd been longer. Yeah. Yeah, I wish Karaoke Mamas had been a bit longer, but the production value was brilliant. <laughs> you know, she she really, you know, what money they did get, they they used it well. Yeah, they That's, they did that on on like a it was some sort of grant uh, grant from one of those companies trying to give money to the arts, and they applied for it, and they went through some voting process. So um, yeah, little money, great production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's done. She was in Loose, which was really good. Yeah. So she does. She can get the occasional big movie, American movie. Thing I mean, she. If she wants. She's it. a fantastic actor, and she's still pretty young. So I hope that she does get more parts. She's like, Asian. She looks very young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's older than Cena. Yeah, yeah, by a few months. I found that out this year. I'm like, oh, you're actually older than him. <laughs> well, I knew that, but only by months. Yeah. I thought it'd be more than yeah. that. I thought she was more closer to 33 uh no they're born i think they're born the same year um just a few months off yeah oh okay 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 so we talked to we talked about nicole we know she's doing oh yeah and that guy simu he's just doing a little movie so we don't we don't need to talk about him yeah (laughs) something about being shirtless and asian and and, yeah yeah cover of a magazine yeah Everybody's trying to and get action it. figures and stuff. I, I think he made them himself, you know. <laughs> yeah, with a little bit of, you know, he went down into Paul's basement and worked under the stairs with <laughs> the hot glue and, and model paint and stuff. Um, Michael Moosey, uh, oh, right. his short ser- uh, series, Something Undone, right. which is on CBC Gem is really wor- worth watching. Yes. It's, 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 I enjoyed it. Uh, I'd like to see it again because now that I know what happens and what the that final episode reveals, um, and of course I watched it all in one go because they're, yeah. they're only 10 minutes yeah. each. 
Um, so he's got that, but also his uh, Passed Down series yes. that he did two episodes of. He said he was shopping that around to various food channels oh, and nice. things like that. So and those, maybe Food Network or some sort of lifestyle show. Yeah, those are two of like Michael's passions. His passion for like <laughs> horror slash thrillers, which yep. he's always been into, always said that he's... Uh, I mean, like when we met him at Fan Expo, he was he was working part time for Shutter, which is sort of like a horror streaming service, like Netflix but horror. Horror only. Yeah. And then food. Food is <laughs> yes. Michael Music is a huge food. food, and like his show is like trying to tell talk about family and food, mm-hmm. like the history of the food with the family, and it's 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 brilliant. I love it. I hope that mm-hmm. we get to see more of that. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I think it's a great concept because so many, um, you know, I mean, Paul could be interviewed for it too. Oh, yeah. Because the whole thing, when, when they all go for lunch <laughs> on that video where it's Paul, Jean, Andrea, Andrew, and Nicole, mm-hmm. and they went to that Korean right. restaurant on Spadina. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, all the foods, you know, this is still probably very new for Nicole. Right. But... These were the things that, uh, and Paul and Jean have talked about this many times, that when they were growing up, the last thing they would ever do was bring their ethnic food to school. <laughs> right. Because, you know, they didn't want to be made fun of, with, you know, this, how it smells or mm-hmm. how it tastes or what's it called, what it's called. And so he wanted his mother to give him Lunchables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's no way he's going to bring kimchi and, and uh, carby gym to mm-hmm to high school or to public school for lunch. So for people like uh, Michael, and same thing that he had, had said that he was pushing away his Arabic, the Arabic yeah. side of his family mm-hmm. and embracing more on his mother's Greek side. And it took a lot for him to realize that he can be both. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to, in that one episode with his grandparents, show how much he needed to learn from them mm-hmm. and to re-engage that side of his family. And I think that's something a lot of uh, first and second generation kids can learn from. Absolutely. So I'm really hoping that he can get that uh, accepted somewhere. Who else do you want to know about? <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask you about Tony Napo just because, you know, <laughs> just because we have you on the show. <laughs> yeah. Tony's busy. Tony's, well, he's in strays. We know that. Um, he's also, I think, working on a, another one of those Disney zombie movies. Oh, Disney okay. zombie it, movie. It's a kid's, it's a kid's thing. Ah. It's a kid's movie. He's the dad of two zombie kids. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. So, like, <laughs> it's got a huge fall. He's, he's got a completely different following of kids <laughs> who are fans really of that series wow. of films that would have there's no way they've seen him do anything else <laughs> so when you know if when they go yeah when they see what tony is capable of I, I don't, and how he talks I, and how he acts is like, i can't see him with the disney filter yeah i can't see him with the disney yeah. filter at all i think it's a disney film Okay. Sure Disney series. But, um, yeah, if you scroll through his uh, Instagram, you'll see him in makeup. He's go- he's completely clean shaven, and he looks like a zombie. So he's got that greenish tint <laughs> no. makeup and bags under his eyes and 
round, you know, red around the lips and stuff. And yeah, he uh, he has to completely change his persona <laughs> when he's uh, addressing videos to uh, to that audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's anybody it's who really can be funny. a zombie dad, it's Tony Napo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, if some of the things that I found out, um, of course, we have Sujit, who's been on so many shows in the last year. Transplant, which just won a CSA mm. this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, two. Yeah, he, right. Two, yeah. Expanse. And he's just on a lot of shows. So, um, But I, I remember reading one of his tweets saying that he still felt that the loss of Mr. Meta felt like a, almost mm. like a, a death to him. So... It is, I mean, for a guy who's been on so many shows, it is kind of sad to see something like that. But, um, yeah, he's on a lot of shows. He's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still doing stuff with Soul Pepper. Right. Um, right. They've been doing this Around the World in 80 Plays uh, series that ran from the 21st of April. It ends at the 30th of June. It basically works out to $10 a play. Mm-hmm. And actually, John Ng and uh, Alora are part I of it. I saw that. I saw John Ng's uh, post today. Yeah, something about he was playing a, the Falcon or something. Yeah, the um, in what's well, a par- Parliament of Birds? Yes. I think it's something called. like that. Yeah. yeah. Each each play drops on a Wednesday, and I've I signed up for it. I've listened to like four productions so oh, cool. far. So I'm halfway through. So uh, Sujit was in um, uh, the Chekhov, uh, the Seagull, and that dropped last week. I haven't had a chance to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Some of them are shorter than others. Um, the bigger plays are definitely like sitting in a theater for two mm-hmm. hours. Um, so you have to you know, book the time off kind of thing and plug in the computer and, or your phone and you know, just veg out and listen to a play for two hours. Mm-hmm. But it's a great way of... For the theater company to make some money, mm-hmm. get keep the actors busy, get them to do stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, gets them out there. Uh, Akosia, yeah, um, right. I don't know what she's doing. Uh, who else? Um, and Ziad hasn't really said much on their social media, so I'm not sure where they're headed. But they're both well. Akosia is a theater person too. Yeah. So I'm sure she's, uh, once things open up again with the theaters, she may be back in there. Yeah, her Instagram stories are always full of her working out or her eating food. I'm like, (laughs) this makes me motivated and hungry at the same time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my notes, other than Amanda Bruegel, who is still a staple at uh, Handmaid's Tale, Mm -hmm. and... She has also kind of posted on IG about a bunch of other projects she's appearing in. Um, but she also just won a CSA for Best Guest um, in a TV series for Kim's, which was, uh, mm-hmm. and she had her acceptance speech the same night that Paul and Andrew both won their awards. And, uh, you know, she, she was very emotional about the win and, you know, um, not being able to go back to what she calls summer camp, which is what. Kim's was to her because she she films handmaids I guess outside of summer and then she goes to summer camp Kim's to film with them and uh, goes back to all her many many projects but uh, yeah I hope Amanda keeps doing well she's she's really good she's really good 
She was hosting a, a fashion right. awards show that same night. on the Wednesday night. Yeah. When she won her uh, her uh, CSA. Then we got Rodrigo, who, <laughs> if, if he hasn't popped up in every show yet, uh, he will. Or commercial for commercial. home hardware. Yeah. We see. The, the, uh, the Subaru commercials back yeah, then. Yeah, we saw that. We saw him with Gwen, and then we're like, okay, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Do you have any more... Yeah, I think basically when it comes down to how the show should be remembered, is it's it was truly groundbreaking. Um, Appa to me was never Archie Bunker, <laughs> and I I really yeah. did not like that comparison because I grew up in the seventies and I watched All in the Family, and Appa's character to me is someone who he's not. You may not understand all of the quirks of, you know, living in the 21st century and, and things like that, but he wants to learn. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to be ignorant. He's not trying, you know, he can't spell certain words because English is not his first language. Mm-hmm. And that, I think because, you know, the fact that they're Korean is, is just the starting off point. It can be any ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And every ethnicity we've ever heard from over the past five years have said that. That's my family. That's my yep. father, regardless of where they came from, because that was the, the, the story is the same, no matter mm-hmm. what. And I think that's what the takeaway is on this show. And it's only to go up from there. Beautifully said. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I have nothing else to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh i guess we should close up and thank you again mel it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and again always appreciate your thoroughness on everything mm-hmm. <laughs> because it means i can just sit here and enjoy the story <laughs> so mel if people want to find you on social media where can they find you on Twitter, I'm at color sixty six. Oh. That's color with a U. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We have to point that out to right. our American friends here. <laughs> All right. So, if you have any other comments, questions, or stories to share, tweet me at mikeyuan82. Until the next time. Okay. See you. <laughs> <laughs>